This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 241, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, January the 28th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 241. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to be looking at uh, reviews of comics that came out Wednesday, uh, January the 28th, I guess. Um, and uh, so we're just going to jump right in. Uh, we've got about, I think, 12 or 13 comics to look at or something like that. So it's just going to be a kind of a fast, uh, rapid-fire episode. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have time for much more. Uh, but I did want to make sure we still got a reviews episode out this week. So, again, it's going to be a little bit faster paced than normal, uh, even though I've been relatively brisk for a while now. This is going to be even brisker. So uh, strap yourselves in. This is, this is going to be a short one. Well, as short as, you know, talking about 12 or 13 comics can be. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's about 13. So let's uh, jump in with All New Invaders 14. Uh, so this continues the storyline by James Robinson. Uh, our work in this issue is by Steve Pugh. It's The Return of Toro, Part 1. Uh, I feel bad for this book because like, I, I, I like it. I want to enjoy it. Uh, generally, I do. I just feel like, first of all, I'm surprised it's still going. Uh, the Iron Cross character, I can't say I'm super fond of. Um, the influx of Inhumans. Interesting that this is this is where they're deciding to kind of throw more of the Inhumans. Um, there's a weird appearance of Speedball's cat in here. Um, I don't really like Toro being an inhuman instead of a mutant, not that it matters much to the character. Um, seeing all the kind of the invaders together, it just feels like this book that it really should just be called Jim Ham and the Human Torch with sometimes guest starring the invaders, whoever is alive or around at that point in time. Um, I mean, the artwork's crisp. I, I don't really care about the ending. I don't really know who this Lash is. I have, haven't really been following the inhumans. I don't really care about the inhumans at this point. Um, so I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, I'm just not a, a huge fan. So I just find, I don't know if there's a point to this. Um, but I mean, again, I'm going to give it a six. I mean, the artwork is strong, even if nece- the story isn't necessarily as strong. Uh, next up is Aquaman 38. Uh, now this, I continue to really enjoy. Jeff Parker's doing a great job on this title. Uh, I just think he's brought a nice, fresh kind of angle to it, uh, still continuing what Jeff Johns was doing when he started on the book. Uh, this is Maelstrom Part 4, uh, artwork by Paul Pelletier, who is a fantastic artist, uh, really nails the um, the art here. Again, the story's fun. Um, you know, they're kind of jaunting around. They're adding something new to the Atlantean mythos, looking for Aquaman's mother. Um, I really dig it. It's a lot of fun. It's an 8 out of 10 all the way. Uh, again, each issue, like last issue was Grodd and Gorilla City. This issue, something different. Uh, we learned about what the Maelstrom really is. Um, very cool and a, a kind of a, a cool angle to go in. Uh, or a direction, I mean. Uh, next up is Batman 38. This is the next chapter of Endgame, which I gotta admit, I'm a little disappointed in for multiple reasons. Because when you think about it, uh, Snyder had the really strong Court of Owls, Night of Owls storyline for the first year. And then the second year... Well, you had like one or two issues that wasn't involved, and then you had Death of the Family, which was good, very good, um, very enjoyable, and it was a Joker story. And then you had what, like a two-part Clayface story, then you had Zero Hour, sorry, Zero Hour, Zero a Year, and in the middle of that, you had that one issue that tied into Batman Eternal, and then we have basically Endgame, which is another Joker story. So I feel like if you act, although it's been a while, 
at the same time, I feel like he's going back to the Joker well a little quickly. Um, the artwork by Capullo is all right. It's, I mean, it's still good. It's just I found, especially in this issue, overly talky at times without really making a lot of sense. At times, I really wasn't even sure what was really happening. Um, the artwork I found to be confusing or not really indicative of what was going on in the script. Um, it, the whole idea of the kind of immortal Joker... I don't really like that concept either. Although crazy quote being here was kind of funny. Um, but otherwise, I just, I found, I, I don't know. I like, I, I like the ending. I think the ending of the issue with uh, Batman going to the Court of Owls was really cool. Really kind of a cool concept. But just the rest of it, it just felt like a weird mishmash. Um, I think the, the storyline started so strong. And now I, I think it's kind of falling apart a little. Um Maybe it's also because I think Snyder's best when he's doing something that's a little bit more grounded. And here it just feels like it's so escalated that it just it's losing me a little. So I'm going to give it a, maybe a five and a half. I'm gonna, actually, it'll be nice. I'll give it a six. But it's not what I think the storyline started with. Uh, it started out so much stronger, and now it just feels like it's falling apart. Uh, then we have Batman Eternal, number 30. Sorry, number 34. I was going to say number 34. That was a long time ago. It's actually issue 43. Um, so if we look into this issue, uh, once again... It's written by, well, the story's by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV, scripted by James Tinian IV, making a rare appearance on his own book. Ray Fox, Kyle Higgins, and Tim Seeley were the consultant writers, with David Lafuente on art, who I was not a huge fan of. Uh, I just thought his art could have been a lot better. Um, although, I guess part of it's the fact that the inks were split up between Victor Alvazaba, who does, what, one, two, three, four, five of the pages, and the rest, I believe, are by... Well, it's actually confusing because it looks like maybe Lefwente does his own pencils, or sorry, his own inks on pages one to four. Then page five is by Alazaba. Six to eight, I guess, is again by Lefwente. Uh, ten is then by Lef, uh, sorry, nine is by Alazaba. Ten is by Lefwente. Eleven by Hannah. Twelve by Lefwente. Uh, Thirteen by Alazaba, and then fourteen to sixteen by Scott Hannah. And then 17 and 18 by Alizaba. And then, I guess, the rest by David Lafuente. So it just makes it feel... I would almost prefer it be different pencilers. Because having a different inker over one penciler is almost in its own way more jarring. Because it's just... It's the same artist, but at the same point, it's not. Because it's going in a very different direction based on the inker. And that's really kind of a master class in understanding how different it is when you have a different inker on a penciler. Um... So, I mean, the the whole story with Bluebird and we're finally kind of syncing up with the Batman 28 is nice that we finally kind of got there. But again, if, I don't know, it, it was definitely better than some of the more recent issues. Uh, it felt a little bit more earned. But again, some of the Bluebird stuff isn't quite working. Although the stuff with spoilers really cool. Um, but again, I'm still annoyed with Catwoman in general because I just don't think she's nearly as interesting as she used to be I, I think this crime family version of her is actually less interesting if that's possible uh next up is so that's gonna be six and a six six i was gonna say six, six and a half change my mind uh next up is deathstroke this is issue number four um in theory it's cool uh and i think next issue will be cool because you got deathstroke versus batman uh i just think the storyline at times is just a little confusing uh i still don't like you know this version of of, of uh, Harley Quinn having Deathstroke as a younger man. I still don't understand the reason for that, besides him being able to be a little bit incognito. Um, him going up against this this you know character who ends up being a woman. I mean, it just felt a little drawn out to get to eventually uh, Deathstroke heading to Gotham. Uh, again, I still think there's a lot of interesting stuff in here, especially seeing uh, Rose Wilson again. Um, 
but I just thought it could have been a little tighter and it wasn't as enjoyable as previous issues. The artwork is amazing. Um, I think uh, Tony Daniels is doing a great job, but I think the scripting could definitely use some work. I'm going to give it a six, mainly because the story was a little weak, even though the artwork continues to be jaw-droppingly gorgeous because it's he's just an, an amazing illustrator. Uh, well, I won't say, well, well illustrator is true. It's not storytelling necessarily. It's just the pinup looks great. Um, next up is Flash number 38. Uh, now this is, uh, let's see, this is interesting. Um, I, I continue to not enjoy the art. Uh, I feel like the story is, again, going on a little long considering we got this in the 90s with uh, Walter West as the Dark Flash. Um, but the Nidian Jensen are trying to do something different, although really it's not different. It's something we've seen before uh, with a, you know, a darker, more villainous Flash and his allies starting to wonder what just is going on um, and, and you know what has kind of turned with both Iris and Patty on their own, kind of one, not turning against him per se, but definitely having their doubts as to what the hell is going on, um, which is interesting. Um but then you go to the Speed Force stuff, and it's just like, really? Like, this is not... I feel like we just got this. Like, we, we had people stuck in the Speed Force during Puccellato and Manipul's first year, or a year and a half, or two years, I don't know. And then, now we're kind of getting that again. So, again, it doesn't feel very original, that aspect. So, again, it's not necessarily a bad comic. Some of the writing is actually good. At times, even though it's Brett Booth, and I don't generally like Brett Booth, it actually works... But again, it doesn't feel original. It just kind of feels like we're going through the paces till eventually we finally get Barry back to take out this Dark Flash and have to come back to the mess that his his alter ego has made of his life. Which again, not that original. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this, I think, my patented favorite number of the week, six. If that was Sesame Street, this episode this episode would be brought to you by the number six. Uh, next up, after Flash. We've got Inhuman number 11. Now, i got to admit, I had not really ever read this. Uh, I think I've read like one or two issues of this, and that was about it. So I didn't really know what to expect or even know what was going on. Um, it's not necess- not really that new-reader-friendly new friendly, because I don't really know who Reader is, what he's doing, what his powers are. But the parts with Medusa were really much more interesting. Uh, so Sewell wrote this. I request Ryan Stegman. Uh, Stegman's art was pretty good. I really like the... As I said, everything about uh, the Medusa storyline was really cool and interesting to kind of see what the her character is dealing with. It's maybe not in keeping with who Medusa is, but I guess we're kind of getting to see a different side of the character. But the rest of the storyline with Reader, I found dreadfully boring and cannot wait for it to be over. Um, so I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna, even though I like the artwork, it's not the, the strongest issue. I'm gonna give it a five. Uh, next up is a Jonathan Hickman book. Woohoo! Uh, so we got uh, New Avengers 29, uh, which is with an interesting cover with the Beyonder on it. Well, the classical version of the Beyonder. Uh, it's written by uh, Jonathan Hickman, artwork by Kev Walker. I believe it's by Kev Walker. I could be completely wrong, actually. I should actually maybe make sure that it's by Kev Walker. It is. Um, interesting issue, again, as we continue, you know, kind of the Namor's dead. Uh, not everyone is so happy about this. Um, in fact, some people are downright pissed off about this. Um, we're let, we don't even know what's necessarily going on with some of the characters. Uh, like Iron Man appears to be gone, and I guess Black Swan's gone too. Um, we're seeing what's happening with regards to you know the Wakandan dead. Uh, there's a lot of talking, not necessarily a lot of action, but it's cool to kind of have 
everyone explaining what was going on as they were kind of planning everything, seeing what Doctor Doom and Molecule Man are planning as well, uh, which is really cool, and I'm excited to see how that develops further. Um, the end here to see that uh, Hank Pym is uh, was trying to do something of his own, uh, and he's on his way back. Very cool. And we're led to assume that maybe Franklin Richards has died, but it's not expressly clear. He might have just been injured or hurt, but it looked like for a moment like he might have been dead. Uh, Hank Pym coming home with a beard. For some reason, I love Hank Pym and his yellow jacket costume with a beard. Looks badass. I don't know why. I don't even know when he's why he's yellow jacket again. Like I guess the last time Hank Pym was around was in Avengers AI. I have no idea how that ended and what he was doing at that point. Obviously, now they're trying to push Scott Lang back as Ant-Man because of the upcoming movie. So, of course, Hank is yellow jacket again with a bitch and beard, and he's found the Beyonders. Uh, although I don't really like the design here, and I, I just don't think Kev Walker's design is that clear and concise or detailed. So I was a little disappointed with that part. Otherwise, even though it's kind of a slow, talkier issue, still enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. It still remains engaging and interesting. I'm interested to see what they do next. Uh, next up is Nova, number 26. I I was talking with uh, Nathan Strzok, friend of the show, well, previous main part of the show for the first year of the, the uh, of the show, and we were talking about how much we both loved Nova and how we were predisposed to hate it from the beginning because they just kind of plopped him into the Marvel Universe without explaining much, and then suddenly his book was really fun and enjoyable and engaging, and maybe it doesn't have any right to, right to be. It's by Jerry Dugan, this particular issue, and John Timms on art, so not the regular artist, which I believe is usually Baldi on, but I've got to say it, it retains a certain flavor that it feels like it's the regular penciler. So, in fact, but until I actually looked up the name, I didn't even realize it wasn't the regular penciler. So that's, that is definitely saying something. Um, I like this issue. I like kind of seeing what's going on with, um, with uh, Sam Alexander now that he's not really been Nova because of, you know, obviously the helmet hasn't been working that well. Plus, he's had a concussion. But now Cletus Cassidy has arrived in, uh, in their happy little town, and Carnage is ready to do a lot of bad things to Sam Alexander. Um, I thought this was really interesting, cool. I thought it wrapped up a little easy, but then we lead into the next issue, which is going to be really cool as well to see as uh, we have Carnage going right after Sam Alexander in his civilian identity. Very cool. Remains probably one of the better issues I read this week, um, considering what we've talked about so far. So I'm going to give it an 8. It remains just a, a pleasure to read all the time. Uh, next up is Sinestro number nine. Actually, I dug this a little. Um, the Apex League, I don't really know what to think about them. Brad Walker and art. Colin Bunn wrote it. Um, not the maybe the best art, but I, I like that we have Mongol coming back, although it's the new 52 version of Mongol. Is he more or less the same? Because they're retaining everything that happened in the pre-new 52 for you know, Sinestro and his characters. So it's, again, confusing. Um, art was, as I said, not necessarily the best, but for the most part, I did enjoy it. Good issue, strong characterization. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. It felt like a a strong issue coming out of uh, a crossover that just ended. Um, So that's an 8, and I I like that we still have the remnants of the crossover with Sinestro wondering if that character is going to join his his kind of squad. We have Spider-Man 2099, or 2099, sorry, and this is issue number 8. Um... It was all right. I mean, it just... Spider-Verse in general, I just don't seem to enjoy that much. So, as much as it's still a good issue, it's an issue of a crossover I'm not really digging. Uh, Peter David wrote it, Will Slinney on art. Uh, we have... I do like the um, 
the chemistry between Lady Spider and Miguel O'Hara. Uh, I like seeing a little bit more of Lady Spider's world, um, which seems, again, a little bit predictable, but kind of fun, as we have the two Spider characters going up against the steampunk version of the Sinister Six, uh, as they try to fix a giant robot to help them in taking out the Inheritors. Uh, you know what? Now that I'm flipping through it, I forgot. You know, you know it was more fun. It was actually a kind of fun issue, um, and it kind of makes me wish that we would get Peter David writing a steampunk Lady Spider comic, because I think that would almost be a little bit fun. But I like the kind of glimpse into their world and what happens to, uh, I guess, Harold Osborn is, is tragic, but also kind of inevitable in its own way. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a 7 out of 10, um, but it, I did think it was enjoyable. Uh, next up is Uncanny Avengers. This is issue number one uh, by Rick Remender and Daniel Acuna. Um, I actually dug it a lot more than I thought I would. I'm not a huge fan of the art in this particular issue. At times, Acuna is not my favorite, and it feels a little staticky and not nearly as fast and as quick as it could be in terms of the fluidity of the motion. When you have a character like Quicksilver, it's a little bit more frustrating. But generally, I thought it was interesting. Um, interesting characters to get focus here. Uh, you know, Dr. Voodoo. Uh, Rogue gets a lot of focus in a good way. I kind of like Sabretooth as well. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it definitely looks like it could be interesting. I think I wish that Daniel Acuna wasn't the artist. Again, I turned a, a loof on Daniel Acuna a little bit during the... Um, uh, the last volume of Uncanny Avengers during the whole Kang storyline. There's some really strong issues he did. And he's still good here, but he's just still not my favorite artist. And considering you have Quicksilver, and I, I just I just thought the art could have been a little bit of a bit of uh, a different fit might have been more appropriate. It wasn't bad art, I just don't know if it was necessarily the best fit. Uh, and last up is the story that doesn't want to ever end. Uh, it's the current Uncanny Avengers storyline, sorry, Uncanny X-Men storyline in issue number 30, uh, I'm just super bored. Um, it feels like it takes forever for anything to happen in this series. It's by Bendis and Bacallo, so that's part of the problem. Uh, the Matthew Malloy storyline continues. Um, it feels like it's never going to end. We have Eva Bell going to the past and get Charles Xavier. Have a long conversation that's super drawn out, trying to be characterization, but really doesn't need to be there. Uh, Malloy, you know, come back to life and killing Emma Frost. And it just felt very, like, really, like... I don't care. Like, I'm super bored. Like, the storyline's taking forever. Um, you're not allowed to... You shouldn't be allowed to make something takes this long to happen just because you're saying, oh, it's I'm really good at character work. No, sometimes it's, it's okay to have some fucking plot. Um, actually have things happening in an issue and not just jabber, 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 jabber. You just paid $4 for nothing. Nothing's really happened. Uh, one character got up, realized he was alive interrupted a stupid conversation between some dumbass shield agents uh then showed up on, in uh, at the x-men's mansion in naked confronts emma frost destroys her and eva bell brings xavier into the future after a long ridiculous conversation that was painful that's what i just paid four dollars for fuck off like i'm just super frustrated i want uncanny x-men to be so much better and I haven't, I don't think it's ever really been that since Bendis has been writing it. All new X-Men started out super strong and was really good for a while um, until it got bogged down in, hey, let's take a super long walk through the Ultimate Universe. That It feels even more pointless now that it's about to be destroyed. Um, so anyway, super bored. Um, the, the artwork's all right, but again, the storyline is just not supporting it. The writing isn't very good. I'm going to give it a five. And again, I think I'm being nice. 
I think I'm giving a lot of props to the art there because the story didn't really deserve it. Uh, I'm just again, I'm super bored, and I don't want to be bored and reading a four dollar comic. I want to be thrilled. I want to be enjoying it. I want to feel like I didn't pay four dollars just to be like, oh man, that was super boring. Um, anyways, the, that's everything that we're taking a look at this week. And actually, it ended up being already 20 minutes. So really, I didn't go that fast after all. Although, I, in some of them, I think I did. Uh, books I didn't get a chance to read or didn't care to read include the following. Arkham Manor, number four. Bodies, number seven. Uh, Catwoman, number 38. Um, Earth 2, World's End, 17. Effigy, number one. Gotham Academy, number four. Gotham by Midnight, number three. Harley Quinn, number 14. He-Man, The Eternity War, number two. Infinity Man, The Forever People, number seven. Is that still going? I know it's going to be canceled, but seriously. Justice League Dark 38, Multiversity Guidebook number 1, New 52, Futures End number 39, Red Lanterns 38, Secret Origins number 9, Star Spangled War Stories featuring G.I. Zombie number 6, I love that title, Unwritten Volume 2, Apocalypse number 12, Vertigo Quarterly number 1, uh, Amazing X-Men 16, I started reading it and I just got frustrated with some of the uh, ways that Colossus was being written. Uh, Deadpool 41, Marvel Universe, Ultimate Spider-Man, Web Warriors, number 3, Secret Avengers, number 12. I think I missed an issue, so I, I could not continue reading it. I started reading it, and I was like, ah, I think I missed issue 11 or something, so I'm going to have to go back. Spider-Man and the X-Men, number 2. Didn't really like issue 1. Don't think I'll like number 2. Thor, number 4, and Wolverine's, number 4, because I didn't read issue 3, so it couldn't really go forward. Uh, some of the highlights of um, February 4th's releases will include the following... Uh, we've got, let's see, Angel and Faith Season 10, Number 11, uh, coming out from Dark Horse, as well as Conan, Trey Paperback, Volume 16, The Song of Belit, uh, from DC, uh, let's see, we got the, M- I can't believe this is a thing, Emakami Girls, Trey Paperback, Volume 3, Earth in Crisis, um, we've got Batman Eternal 44, obviously, because it comes out every week, uh, new issue of Earth 2, of Grayson, of Green Lantern, um, we have uh, a new issue of Injustice Gods Among Us, Year 3, um, as well as a new issue of Superman by Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. Uh, also speaking of Superman, there's a release of Earth 1 Hardcover Volume 3, uh, the Hardcover Volume 5 Under Fire, the trade paper- Superman Trade Paperback Volume 4 Cywar, as well as Teen Titans Volume 5 The Trial of Kid Flash, which was not very good. Uh, from, uh, let's see... From IDW, they've got the Star Trek City on the Edge of Forever hardcover. I think I'm going to pick this up. I think I... I don't know if I got all the issues of the uh, of the uh, miniseries. I think I missed a few, so I, this might be something for me to go back to. Um, we've got uh, from Marvel, all-new Captain America Fear Him number 1, which is, I guess, the, the uh, collected version of the digital comic, I believe. Um, there's, uh, let's see, Ant-Man number two, uh, Avengers 41, which is another chapter of Time Runs Out, which I'm super pumped for, the Fantastic Four by Matt Fraction Omnibus, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy and X-Men Black Vortex Alpha number one, uh, which starts the Black Vortex uh, crossover storyline, a new issue of Hawkeye, holy shit, Hawkeye number 21, uh, Inhumanity Trade Paperback, which is a giant waste of time, just saying, not very good, I'm hugely biased, but still. Uh, Marvel Masterworks Amazing Spider-Man Hardcover Volume 1 is a new reprinting. Uh, we've got a new issue of Miss Marvel, which I'm pumped for. Uh, there's uh, Operation Sin Number 2. I don't know what this Return of the Living Deadpool is. Uh, for Spider-Man 2099 fans, there's uh, two trades for you. There's the uh, Spider-Man 2099 Classic Volume 3 Fall of Hammer, as well as the new trade paperback, uh, which is out of time. Uh, then we've got the second issue of the Star Wars ongoing by Cassidy and Aaron. Uh, 
Uh, we've got uh, Undef Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number two, which I really just was not a huge fan of the first issue, mainly the art, as well as Uncanny Avengers Omnibus Hardcover, which is kind of, I think, um, not a good idea. <laughs> Because to, only because issue 25 of Uncanny Avengers is clearly just set up for access. It ends with a giant cliffhanger. So I feel like to get an omnibus, you think you're going to get the complete story. You get to the very end, you're like, fuck, really? i got to pick up a, another fucking book? And I, I guess with, with ongoings and like hardcovers and trade paperbacks, I'm more okay with it. But when it's an omnibus, I feel like on the buy should be a little bit more complete. So to have it just end that way feels like a bit of a fuck you. That's all. Uh, I've actually sworn a lot more in this issue, and sorry, in this issue, in this uh, episode than I think I usually do. But so sorry about that, everybody. Uh, but anyway, that's some of the highlights coming out on February the fourth. So thank you for listening to episode two forty one. I had to think about that for a second. Um, I have been Adam Chapman, your host. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail dot com. Like me on like the show on Facebook. You can like me too, but really just like the show on Facebook. Rate or review us on iTunes. Um, and also post our HTML thread when they start going up again. It's been a little while since I put one up. Anyways, thank you very much for uh, joining me for this episode. And uh, catch us next time for episode 242. Not sure what it's going to be yet, but hopefully it'll be awesome. What do we mean, hopefully? Of course it'll be awesome. It's comic shenanigans. Of course it will be. So I'll catch you next time for 242. Bye-bye.